six horrifying and gruesome murders that still remain unsolved almost a hundred years later. We ask the question, what happened at Hinterkaifeck? Welcome to Gore and Guilty. I'm Georgia. And I'm Greg. This week we have a very interesting case for you all. Greg's going to be taking this one and I believe we're being transported to Germany. That's correct, Georgia. We are being transported to a historic but very rural part of Germany, in particular the Bavarian region. Oh, lovely. I love Bavaria. (laughs) Yes, it's uh, famed for its girthy accent. Uh, (laughs) as well as its fantastic outfits and i believe it's pretty well known for its beer uh i think so definitely (laughs) before we kind of delve into all the gore and gruesome aspects of bavaria 1922 uh how are you doing georgia Good, I'm good. Uh, same old, same old, really. We are currently in our third lockdown, so nothing much has changed. How about you? Yeah, yeah, I'm living my best life, as always, other than the fact I can't go outside, see my friends, or do anything fun. Have you ended up doing some of the cliches with lockdown? Banana bread, yoga, and what else are there? There's a few other cliches. Dye your hair. Have you dyed your hair? <laughs> I haven't dyed my hair, but a lot of people have. A lot of people. Oh, I tell you a lie. I've been doing. I did for a while do some yoga. Did you? Yeah, I did for a little while, but then I just got fat instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose a lot of people have gone like one or two ways. I feel like through lockdown. Um, there's the ones that are like the intense regime fitness workout. We're going to come out a different person at the end of the lockdown. But um, but yeah, same. I mean, I did partake in a little bit of yoga at the beginning. Um, but nice, nice. That trailed off quite quickly. But. That's the problem. By the time the third lockdown rolls around, you're pretty much, you know, just like, oh, I've had enough of this now. Especially Can't be asked after to... Christmas when all the chocolate and all treats have been given to you. There's nothing better to so do. So much Sweet. custard. <laughs> I can't look at that yellow liquid any more ever again. <laughs> so, do we have questions? I've got some. Pick a number between one and three hundred and fifty. Okay. Um, one hundred and twenty-eight. One hundred and twenty-eight. That's a fine, fine choice. <laughs> Okay, this is an interesting one. What's some insider knowledge that only people in your line of work have? What can you tell us about all the birds at the airports, Georgia? I don't know. I actually don't know if I can answer this one. I don't think I'll be able to. Are you I'm legally... Actually, I actually don't think I can. I confidential. Really say, yeah. Um, <laughs> I might have to ask to pick a new question. How boring. <gasps> Do you want to go for the next one after it? Okay. Do you want to pick a number for me? But I'll just answer it myself. Okay. 97. Number 97. 
When was the last time I facepalmed? Hmm. Now that's a good question. <laughs> well, as in like the action where you're like... Yeah, I presume so. Like, cue me slapping my palm into my face. <laughs> um, that's a good... Uh, there's a high propensity that I'm going to face palm at any moment during the day. It's uh, an excellent, excellent question. It's probably something my dad said lately. He comes up with some right howlers. For, oh, I love your dad so much. <laughs> any cliche... Um, Gloucester. Gloucester terms. Oh, like Gordon Bennett. That's terrible, sorry. <laughs> uh, he does like so many and he's just the cutest man. That's so sweet. <laughs> I'm trying to think if he's done... The, he, I, it wasn't a facepalm moment, but earlier today, he so he's always been... He's just has done a terrible like terrible job of training his dog. Mm, well, it's our dog, oh, technically. But so my excuse is... Yeah. My, my the most adorable thing. She is a very cute dog, but she is a she is a naughty and very loud dog occasionally. So if someone comes to the door, Saffron goes a bit mental. But whenever we say to my dad, like, Dad, you probably should have trained her at some point to not go mental when someone's at the door. Because she, she loves strangers, you know, she's not bad to them. She's very friendly, yeah. She is friendly, but uh, we we're always like, yeah, you probably could have trained her. He's like, no, she's a guard dog. She's, uh, <laughs> I don't know why I made him Scottish then, but, he, you know, he's like... I, see, I heard Gloucester... Glosterian, Gloucester, Glosterian, what is it? Glos- Glosterican. Gloucester- no, it's not. <laughs> oh my god, no! For a moment, that- <laughs> That's my latest face farm. That's my latest face farm. <laughs> oh no, my true colours are coming out. Oh dear, I'm very gullible. Oh, oh shit. That was okay. good. You set me right up for that one. No, so what? What is it? For all the other listeners that might be dying to know what you call someone that's tos- from Gloucester. Uh, I don't know, actually. Is that weird? It's like Gloucester... Gloucester. Uh, oh, Gloucester. Yeah, see? Herefordians. Her- yeah. Hereford, I'll be Herefordian. Gloucestershireian. Gloucester. Glossweden, right? That's what I said. It's Glossweden. Luke, what do you think it is? Glossweden. No, it's not. Right, he's going with the Glossweden. Glossweden. I quite like Glossterican. It'll be the same as whatever people from Worcestershire are called, I reckon. Or the very, you know, same sound. Yeah, from Gloucester are called... I'd love it if Google just returned bastards. Glostonians. Glostonians. Well, the more you know. Really? 24 years I lived in this city. <laughs> and I- <laughs> it's only till now that I realised I was a Glostonian. <laughs> Brilliant. The more you know, the more you know. If we're wrong, correct us, but that's what I found so far, trusty Google has told me. Shall I, shall I pick a number for you? Yes, please. I'm going to go 177. What's the smartest thing you've ever seen an animal do? Oh, God, okay. In my line of work, I deal with a lot of birds and I watch their behaviour. And I didn't know until I started the job that I do how smart corvids were, which are crows, rooks, jackdaws, 
jays and all of those kinds of birds, and they are so smart. Lots of things that I see them do in the day to day. Classified? Are you sure this all isn't classified information? <laughs> I just don't like to speak about it because there are things that I'm allowed to say and things that I'm not. So I'd rather just <laughs> avoid. So I don't get telling off. But right, they are like one of the most intelligent birds, and I had no idea how smart they were. They are. They can work out who's driving the vehicles. Um, they can recognise faces. They can recognise behaviour in humans. They work together with other birds. They are so clever. And that's kind of... I know you asked for a detailed description of one event, but as a whole, they are so much smarter than you thought. And there's YouTube videos to prove it. Have, have you got a favourite one of these so, birds? I, mm, I deal with a lot of rooks, and um, they're very, very interesting. So we're actually going quite far back in time on this one. Okay. It's one of the most puzzling and gruesome unsolved crimes in Germany. Well, actually, it's probably one of the most puzzling and gruesome unsolved crimes ever anywhere. Oh, I'm excited for this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm buzzing now. Actually, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I realise quite how that... You know what it's I all mean, good. Not it's, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It's all, you know, people here that are listening to this definitely cannot judge. Exactly. There are actually six victims murders in a terrifying attack. And that attack has an eerie twist. Okay. But before I delve into the details, I want to paint the scene a little bit. Mm-hmm. So humour me, please. So we're going back, like I said, we're going back in time to 1922. For those of you that haven't read up on your history, that is a good yes. half a decade or almost half a decade past the end of the First World War. Germany at the time, and I actually haven't prepared any notes on this, I'm going ad-lib, but let's hope wow. I don't mess up any okay. facts. But <laughs> Germany, I believe, was uh, struggling to deal with the Treaty of Versailles. There's a lot of economic impact, a lot of problematic things going on. I, I want to say uh, inflation. This is actually completely unrelated to this story whatsoever. I'm just, you know, I'm just uh, riffing here. Um, I'll get back on track. Don't worry. We're going to Bavaria, which is in the southeast of Germany, and it's one of the largest regions in Germany. Like I said, it's known very much for its accent, for its beer nowadays, but back then there was quite a large amount of rural regions within Bavaria. And this is that's a good example of exactly where this takes place. So... We're going to a farmstead. I mean, we're not literally going, but this took place at a farmstead. For those of you that... I mean, it's one of those words we hear all the time, but that's an isolated dwelling or a farmhouse, which in itself... I I don't know about you, Georgia, but I think that's kind of got a bit of a creepy vibe about it. Oh, yeah, definitely. No one can hear you scream sort of vibe. (laughs) (laughs) This this particular farmstead was 70 kilometres north of Munich. And just south of Ingolstadt, which is, I guess, a lesser known large town in Germany. And the farm itself was built in 1863. And although it was an isolated, you know... Oh, sorry. Pause. For the sake of our viewers, we've just had to pause for some classic lockdown recording from home fiasco, which was the sound of uh, pasta boiling over in the background of George's house. (laughs) 
Luke, bless him, he's cooking us a meal. So. It's all right for oh, Sam I'll cooks dinner. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was loving it. Like I said, it sounded like an applause. I was like, ooh, <laughs> we've got some fans this week. Yeah. <laughs> Going back to what we were talking about before, the farmstead is an isolated area, but it wasn't nearby to a village, so there were still people that, that came and went. And uh, I guess the people that came and went most were, unfortunately, the victims. So there were six known inhabitants living at the farm. And all six met a gruesome death on March the 31st, 1922. Firstly, there was Andreas Gruber, who was the father and grandfather of the whole house, or the whole stead, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, He was, you know, the head honcho. I can gather he was quite a stern guy. I mean, you're probably likely to be in rural early 20th century Germany. I mean, they're pretty stern now. <laughs> Luke's, um, Luke's half German and obviously... So that means we're allowed to laugh. Yeah, his father's <laughs> yeah. German, his grandfather's German is all part. And yeah, I can... This stern, yes. That's, I think that's the right word to describe them. <laughs> they are a, they're a stern group of folks. After Andreas Gruber, you've got his wife, the mother and grandmother, Gazilia Gruber. Andreas and Kazilia are parents of Victoria, who is a widow, and Victoria is mother to both Kazilia and Joseph, who are aged seven and two, respectively. That's a lot of names to throw at you. There's not going to be a test. Don't worry. (laughs) Thank goodness. I won't keep throwing names at you, but just as a reminder, you've got a grandfather, a grandmother, you've got a mother, who's Mm -hmm. the daughter of those two, and then two young children. Right, three generations. Three generations, but that's only five. (gasps) So there was one more victim on that day, who was Maria Baumgartner. She was a 44-year-old maid, and get this for unlucky, it was her first day on the job. (gasps) Oh God, talk about worst first days. Oh dear. I was going to say that's one for to remember, but that's a bit inappropriate really. (laughs) I've put off naming the farmstead to this point, but for those of you that have heard this story before, the name Hinterkaifeck might ring a bell for you. The Hinterkaifeck farmstead was no peaceful or tranquil abode before the horrific crimes on March the 31st, 1922. In fact, the previous maid, who was employed before Maria, has had just quit her job at the farmstead six months before the attack. That would be innocuous enough, you know, people come and go from jobs all the time, but it is claimed that her reasons for leaving were believing that the house was haunted. Oh. Mmm, bit suspicious. Spooky. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, there's there's some more info as well to kind of back that up. We're kind of fitting along with our spooky theme, I should have saved this for our paranormal episodes last week. So, it wasn't just that she had some eerie feeling that the farmstead was haunted, But no, the previous maid, along with members of the Gruber family, had heard the soft thumping of footsteps during the night. Ooh. Mmm. I imagine that's quite creepy. Very creepy, especially when you're out so isolated from everybody else. I imagine that added to it. While this may not have been a haunting, it clearly distressed the maid, who decided she'd had enough of the job, and she quit. Andreas, on the other hand, referencing the thump spoken about, so as a little reminder... Andreas is the grandfather. He, on the other hand, when referencing the thumps spoken about, 
told his friends that he wasn't afraid of the thumps, or whatever it was, because he had his rifle. I guess if he wasn't afraid, that's a good thing, but also uh, shows that he was also so aware of the thumps that had been talked about around town that he prepared. Yeah, he'd he'd fought ahead. It's been just, you know, a thought. To make someone leave a job as well, um, the maid, I think... Gosh, it, they must, it must have heard it so regularly. Especially as, like I said, I didn't actually go looking around into early 20th century Germany, but I, I think economic times were hard there So, um, at that point in history. So, you know, you wouldn't quit a job with some yeah, guaranteed income mm-hmm. unless there's something really amiss. And that wasn't, that wasn't it. There was some very, uh, there was some very obscure and strange things also happening on the farm. The younger Kazilia, who was the seven-year-old girl, told school teachers she'd fallen asleep in class because she'd spent the night chasing her grandmother through the woods. What? Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, that's bit weird. Not good. Yeah, that's yeah, no one's really keen for a midnight marathon, but uh, <laughs> also, oh my God. A- annoyingly, there was no—I couldn't find anyway any reason for why this midnight chase happened. So, did the grandmother not explain it, or? Did it happen? Like, was oh, there's so, so many questions there? I think it was. So it must have been the girl, Cazilia, the young seven-year-olds, has obviously fallen asleep. Her teachers must have been like, uh, "Why are you falling asleep in class?" Or "Why are you falling asleep in class?" <laughs> and <laughs> and she yeah. must have mentioned that she, for some reason she was spent the night chasing her grandmother through the woods. And either they didn't question that, maybe it was just the erratic imagination of a seven-year-old, or, you know, maybe something else was going on, maybe they were dealing with some things being afoot, who knows. I imagine, and I'll go into a few more details, but I imagine that uh, it doesn't seem like it was a pleasant family, it wasn't like a wholesome laugh-a-minute loving family so I imagine there was quite a few things that were wrong that maybe would explain why a grandmother would flee in the middle of the night okay that's yeah you're really painting the picture here I'm trying I'm trying because there's more (laughs) (laughs) not not only this but Andreas again the grandfather found a newspaper from Munich on the property in March 1922 so also as a reminder the Crime happened March 31st, 1922, so the same month okay. Andreas found a newspaper. And it wasn't a newspaper he recognised all that he read. Don't forget, back then it was quite hard to get a newspaper from Munich. The family asked the postman if he'd left it, thinking that maybe it was intended for someone else. I bet he didn't. You are correct, he mm. didn't. No. Uh, it gets a little bit more vicious now. But there were rumours that Andreas, the grandfather, and Victoria, his daughter, were engaged in an incestuous relationship. What? Mm-hmm. No, no. Not, not, a, not only that, there was rumours that Joseph, the two-year-old boy, was the result of this incestuous relationship. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Oh my god, that is not good. Yeah, okay, so it's not happy... Skippy roses. Yeah, they're not holding hands skipping through the fields. No. (laughs) This is the last thing, but I think it's maybe the most disturbing thing that happened on the farm. Uh, Days before the murder, Andreas reported to friends that he had found tracks in the snow 
that led to a broken locked door in the farm's machines room, but there were no tracks back out to the woods where they originally came from. So someone went in but not out. Oh, that is horrible. Yeah, that, that is, is spooky. a horrible it's really concept. Eerie, isn't it? Yeah. Let's move forwards. You want to pull out now? You've still got time. But we're going to move forward to the day of the crime, which was March 31st. As I mentioned before, on that day, the new maid Maria arrived on the farm. She was escorted there by her sister, who who stayed a short while before leaving and didn't report anything particularly strange. During that evening, Andreas, Cazilia, Victoria and her daughter Cazilia were lured to the family barn. There, one at a time, they were murdered. The killer had used a mattock, which is a large axe-like tool that is used on farms for planting. Kind of like a big old pickaxe. Ooh! I'm not even sure I want to... Gruesome! It gets a bit more savage. I'm not even sure I want to include this, but... The seven-year-old Casilia was so terrified of the situation that she had been found with clumps of her own hair pulled out around her. So she was obviously so stressed out. Horrible, horrible thought. After this, the killer then moved to the living quarters, where they killed a sleeping Joseph and the new maid Maria in her bedchamber. Which again is like, why? Like, why? Why would you do that? Yeah, why? Oh god, awful. So the next day, two coffee sellers arrived to the place in order. But when no one responded, they walked around the farmstead and found no one. They did, however, notice the gate to the machine house was open before leaving. A few days later, on the 4th of April, bearing in mind they've been dead like, what, four days now? Albert Hofner, the assembler, went to the farmstead to repair the engine of a food chopper. Albert saw nothing, and he heard nothing but the sounds of farm animals and dogs. After an hour, he just decided to continue with his repair. Yeah, I suppose you just crack on with the work, don't you? And then mm-hmm. just next time you bump into them, then you'll sort, out, sort it out. It's probably more relaxed, I suppose. Albert didn't see anything, and he just left after he'd finished his repair. The family were eventually discovered after four days. An associate of the family, Lorenz Schlittenbauer, sent his son and stepson to Hinterkaifeck to see if they could contact the Grubers. When they reported seeing no one, Lorenz went to the farm with two others, Michael Paul and Jakob Siegel. When they entered the barn, they made the gruesome discovery of the four bodies. They then located the other two bodies within the home. The Munich Police Department investigated the killings. Yes. They initially suspected that robbery could be the motive for the killings. However, after interviewing travelling craftsmen, vagrants, and other sort of miscreants, they ruled out this motive after finding a large sum of money still remaining in the house. Bizarrely, and this is the kind of creepy twist that I was talking about, it appeared the killer had remained at the farm for several days after the attack. Someone had fed the cattle, eaten the bread and the meat from the pantry. Oh, that is weird. I think that's probably the weirdest part of it. I, obviously the murders are awful, but... To then live in the house after the fact is just bizarre. Bizarre? Yeah. Why did... What? So many questions. I hope you have some answers. <laughs> Well, I might have some, but it is strange, isn't it? Like, why was someone, to to have the confidence to remain in a house where you've just murdered six people, is... Living amongst that is just awful. And the conf- yeah, the confidence, like you said, 
to stay there, knowing that people could easily have walked into that barn or have noticed something and you still being in the house. Whoever it was as well must have been, you know, confident that they wouldn't be located. I mean, for the record, like, no murderer has ever been found. Like, it's never been. There have been some leads, like, a couple of times there was, like, a group of university students that did, like, a thorough investigation, came up with what they believed was the killer, but didn't release any details because they were surviving relatives they didn't want to upset or something. Yeah, of course. There was a similar situation where someone had come forward as a witness or something, and uh, again, they didn't really uh, give any details because they didn't want to upset surviving relatives. There's there's a, there's a few things that stand out for me here, and it's like, with all the talk of footsteps on the farm, was yeah. someone living there prior yeah, to the killings? Scouting it all out, living there for a while, knew exactly where everybody was at what time, and knew who usually visited the farm. But... But why? That's the funny thing. I just don't know why why it happened, because obviously they left after the seven days or so that they were staying there. They then left. It just... It wasn't, you know, for a place of stay. I don't know why. Well, uh, what I think is interesting as well is that the previous maid quit six months before the, the uh, crime. Yeah. She left because she fought, and I don't know. Maybe it's you know disconnected. Maybe it's not connected. The footsteps. Mm. Do you think it was this guy or person? I don't, we don't know if it was a guy um, creeping around. You know, you hear those stories where there's someone living in your attic, and like, <laughs> yeah, they come creeping down to eat eat your food out your fridge and then go back up into their cubby hole. There have been cases yes. of people not realising that they had oh, pe- other people living in their that house. That is, like, the creepiest thing. It makes you feel so ill. It's horrible. Yeah, um, it's a horrible thought. These stories come out and you're like... You're kind of, like, not as sympathetic. Well, you are sympathetic, of course, because, you know, someone's, yeah. it's a horrible thing to think about. But, you know, sometimes we're like, how would you not know? Like, how could you not sure know someone living in your house? Too. The amount of times I'll hear, like, a knock in the house and I just won't even think about it. I'll just be like put it down to like oh something must have just dropped on the floor yeah or... you explain you, you you find an explanation for it that you know puts your mind at peace it's like but... our subconscious explains it logically before it even gives our conscience to uh, a second to think about what's happened and surely as well if you start thinking that must be the person that's living in my attic i don't think that oh god yeah we'll definitely do some stories on that because that is creepy creepy, so creepy. You may be very fairly wondering why are they talking about a Strangers in My House episode when they only did that two weeks ago? Well, we may have recorded this episode before but decided not to release it yet. Hence why it kind of sounds like we're talking about something we've already done. Just wanted to explain that. We'll go right back to the episode now. There were actually some suspects. Some clear suspects in this case. And I'm going to start with the the first one's probably the one that I think is the most compelling. Even though it sounds insane, I think it's almost the one that makes the most logical sense in the weirdest way. So the first suspect is Carl Gabriel, who was Victoria's husband, supposedly killed in World War One. I. I was going to say, wasn't she a widow? Right. She is, or was a widow, supposedly. Yeah. But like many bodies in World War One, he was never recovered. Okay. 
the murders made people speculate about whether he'd actually died. During an investigation into his family's murders, members of his unit were questioned about his death. They all swore he was killed in a shell attack, and authorities were satisfied he had indeed died in the field of combat, which probably makes it sound like I am wrong, and this isn't the most compelling. <laughs> but yeah, I think that so there's a there's a whole load of things going on here. We know that the person had obviously, for whatever reason, decided to live in this isolated farmsteads. Yeah, well, we don't know, but we think for a significant period of time, presumably at least six months, if those footsteps were connected and you know the maid yeah, thinks it's haunted exactly. and and then there's the newspaper that's been left yeah. all these other things if it was the husband and they she he caught the father having you know sexual relations with his daughter that will also probably spark some anger maybe exactly mm-hmm. and a lot of the time there's that crime familicide mm-hmm. which is when one member of the family executes or kills the rest of the family family annihilation as well i think yes that's also called called that and Mm. it's in the you know obviously whoever does crimes like that is an absolute nutter Mm. but in their mind that their reasoning is they're like putting their family out there suffering yes so it's normally around things like debt or you know, the breakup of relationships or marriage or whatever. There's a load of examples of that. And maybe, like you say, Carl, Gabriel, the wars freaked him out. He's almost died from a shell attack. He decides to, disorder. Yeah. yeah, he decides to, you know, make his way back. It'd probably take a long time to get back from wherever he was fighting to, you know, rural Munich. Yeah. And yeah, maybe he, for whatever reason, feels like he can't, you know, he's probably come back and he's seen that his ex, well, not his ex, but his wife what? has got a two-year-old son that he couldn't have been father of. So maybe his response is like, okay, I'm just going to, he's got some secret hideaway. He's, you know, probably very thin at that point. Sit and wait and see what happens and probably unraveled a few secrets that were going on in the house. Yeah. It's also maybe, quite interesting that it's, because it is so remote that that person chose there. I suppose it's just so remote for someone to. But that might be the reasons why that they were interested in the property. But I mean, it's a good point because like it's not really something that anyone would stumble upon, is it? No. It's like it's surrounded by greenery and well, and, e- and and then even then to spend months and months there. Yeah, exactly. And a little fun fact: hinter. Kaifek, Hinto means behind, and Kaifek means hamlet or village. So essentially it is the village behind the village. So it's like, yeah, the village, behind the village village. Which behind the village village. Yes, so that's been <laughs> translated into England. England oh, that's good to know. Into English. <laughs> but yeah, so it really proves that it is completely out the way. It is not a direct path. It's very rural. Yeah. So there were a few other suspects as well. Okay. After Carl, you also had Lorenz Schlissenbach. And if you remember, that's the person that actually discovered the bodies among his two companions. And it was believed that Lorenz had engaged in a relationship with Victoria after the death of his first wife. The initials LS appear on Joseph's birth certificate, so the two-year-old boy. 
and apparently Lorenz had made weird comments when the bodies were discovered. Yeah, I think he just made comments about how the body was. Yeah, it was. Uh, there was some weird stuff. There but was some. His reaction to it wasn't. I know that you can't judge people's reaction to things like that because people act in all sorts of ways. But there are certain things that people do that kind of ring alarm bells. That just doesn't seem natural at all. Exactly, and he had a key. So apparently they'd they'd gone to the farm. And you know the, him and his two companions, and they'd they'd had to like break down a couple of doors, but as soon as or you know kind of make their way around them, whatever way necessary. Yeah. But as soon as the bodies were found, suddenly Lorenz was laying himself into the farmhouse with his own key. Oh. So obviously that was those two reasons alone were enough to set the rumor mill flying, because a lot of people were wondering, well, if he had his key, if he had keys all along, then why did he let the others? Why did he use that route, like in the first place? Exactly. That's very weird. Hmm. And in 1925, a few years after the deaths, a local teacher discovered Lorenz visiting the remains of the demolished Hinterkaifeck. When asked why, Schlissenbauer stated that the perpetrator's attempts to bury the family's remains had been hindered by frozen ground, which A, is a very bizarre thing to say, and yeah. B, how would he have known that? In fairness, he might have known that just because he's a local guy. Mm. But again, it's a very weird thing for him to kind of bring up to some yeah. stranger. That is very odd. I'm not sure about this guy. I think there's more to it. And maybe if he was some sort of psychopath, then he would return to the scene of the crime, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah a, lot, a lot of cases they do tend to do that. They also tend to speak about the crimes that they've committed. They just sometimes just can't help themselves but talk about it. The only the only reason that I'm not convinced by Lawrence Littenbauer being the killer is that whoever it was had stayed in the house afterwards. He has he has a son and a stepson, so you'd think. I, I know maybe times were different back then, and they just kind of did their own thing. But you'd think that it would come out as quite obvious if he hadn't been seen for four days after. Yeah, um, absolutely. It w- it, if something like this came out in, in a place like that that is so small, and then suddenly you know someone that's been missing for that exact amount of days, it would ring alarm bells and people would grow suspicious of them. So I think that would be quite silly. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not completely sold on that one. Mm. So the next suspects are Carl S. and Andreas S. And that's because in 1971, a woman named Therese wrote a letter citing an event in her youth. At the age of 12, she witnessed her mother receiving a visit from the mother of two brothers, Carl and Andreas S. The woman claimed that her sons from Sattelberg were the two murderers in Hinterkaifeck. The mother said that Andreas regretted that he lost his penknife. And in fact, when the farm was demolished in 1923... A pocket knife was found that could not be clearly assigned to anyone. However, the knife could easily have belonged to one of the murder victims. So I read on that that actually one of the maids, the previous maids, said that the pocket knife definitely belonged to one of the victims. Okay. But it is kind of weird that, you know... Why he would say that and then one turn up? That is an odd thing to say. Why? Yeah. But yeah, that's kind of a weird, it's a weird event. Um, I don't think we know anything more about Carles and Andreas other than what this woman claimed happened in her youth. And then lastly, 
as the Thala brothers. Uh, and according to a statement by a former maid, Crescens Riga, I'm definitely saying that name wrong, Cre- Cre- Crescens Riga, we'll go with that, the brothers had already committed several minor burglaries in the area before the crime. And Riga said that Joseph Thaler stood at her window at night and asked her questions about the family that she never responded to. Imagine just having some rogue dude just, like, stood at your window asking you questions. That would just be weird. But if they had a a previous in burglary, this was didn't seem like it was a burglary event. It was small. But there was there was money left there, like you mentioned before, and it didn't really have those signs for that kind of crime. So, and the fact that they had gone out of their way to then go and you know they've killed the initial four people, mm-hmm. and then they've gone and killed the two sleeping people. Yeah, it makes me that makes me think that whoever the perpetrator was had spent time with the entire family earlier in the day. They knew that there was that many people. In that property as well. I think they they must have known the family. Yeah, needed to leave no witnesses. Mm-hmm. And four out of the five family members, obviously the maid's still in the house and the two-year-old's in the house, to be, I suppose, lured into the barn? Why were they all four of them in the barn at that point? Like, that seems odd to me as well. Yeah, that's really weird. Like, how, how could you lure... A group of people, one by one as well, I think, is the theory. Like, how do you lure that many people? You, Whoever's luring you there, you've, almost, you've got to know them. Yeah. In the middle of a rural village or they... behind village. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <You know>. yeah. <laughs> I don't know whether they made a noise or something and then just, like, one by one they went to... Just... To get one by one with a noise, though? Mm, I know, I don't know. It would be super difficult. Like, what, what, yeah, it's like, maybe it's... Even, even even if it was like a family friend or something, like even if it was Lorenz Schlittenbauer that presumably they all knew yeah. and, uh, you know, whatever, to, to get them all, I mean, even if it wasn't one by one, but even, like, you presumably couldn't get all four in at different times. That would be so challenging. Yeah. It also, I've always, I've heard this story, this case before, but I've always had it in my head that it probably have been a single person that did it but now talking through with it with you how one person would be able to take on four people at the same time i know it could have most likely have been one by one but but there was you know there's the risk that it could have been all four of them they most likely would have overpowered one individual but then oh because there's so many oh, i don't know i keep changing my mind it just doesn't add up I don't know. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, the possibility of more than one person. Um, because when Riga, the previous maid, was talking about this Joseph Thaler, um, yeah. Joseph claimed to know which family member was sleeping in every room. And he also stated that he knew they had a lot of money. But right. while he was talking about this, um, Riga, the previous maid, noted that, noted that there was another person nearby. And a- according to the statement, Joseph Thaler and the stranger looked at the machine house and then turned their eyes upwards. It seems like a bit of a leap to go from minor burglary to full-blown... Full-blown six-person Killing spree. Yeah. I'd be really interested to hear, uh, even if people are unsure like what suspects they think it could be, I'd be interested to hear 
whether they think it was multiple people that are killing. Yes, I want to hear. I want to hear your, your guys' theories on what you think happened here because it's so unusual. Mm. What do you think, Georgia? Is there a, a suspect that stands out to you? Thinking through them all, I mean, they're all good candidates. I think they all have. Each of them have a reason for potentially doing this. But I do think it was probably someone that knew the family, someone that knew them quite well and maybe was observing them. I think it was a single person because of the previous maid and hearing footsteps throughout the house. I do think this person was observing the family for quite some time. And I also think it's very unusual that after the fact they stayed in the house for a while, knew the habits of the family and the people surrounding it, but also would feed the dog and cattle, which is a very weird, like, there was a care there that they didn't have care for the humans and yet did for the animals, I think. So I'm going, my bets are probably the same as you for the husband not Carl actually, Gabriel. Yes, Carl Gabriel not actually being dead from war, coming back and finding that his family had changed, got a son, and probably saw some secrets that you probably wished you didn't see. Yeah, I agree. I think you're right. I think it has to be has to be someone with some sort of connection to the farm, doesn't it? Mm. It wouldn't it just doesn't seem like something a stranger would do. It and just then, seems so off off the like the path as well. Like it's not a direct route from anywhere, someone that was just wandering wouldn't just stumble across this one. I don't think. I mean, of course, it's possible. But I think that is odd. Yeah, agreed. I think it's a very strange case because like, nothing really has ever come out since. I, I don't know if we'll ever know what truly happened at Hinterkaifeck. It's nearly 100 years ago. Bloody hell, it's almost 2022. I'm getting yeah. old. 1990 years. Nin- 1999. Oh my goodness. It's been a long day. I remember my first numbers. 99. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) Is there anything you'd like to add for this case or shall we rattle through the socials? Um, I think that we seem to have covered it. Oh, thank you for sharing that though. That was a very interesting case. I think, God, there's so many questions that I want answered and I just feel like we're not going to get them. So many theories, but I'd love to hear, like Greg said, I'd love to hear your guys' theories on what you think happened here. Very unusual. Yeah, I hope we get answers eventually, but it's one of those ones where I think we're going to be left unsatisfied for a long Mm. time. Okay, so I will share with you the social meets. Feel free to email us any stories, suggestions, anything you like at goreandguiltypodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at Gore and Guilty podcast, where we'll be showing some photos relevant to the cases. Follow us on Twitter at Gore and Guilty and join our Facebook group, Gore and Guilty podcast. So, awesome. Yeah. And remember, we won't judge if Gore is your guilty pleasure. Thanks, guys. Woo. Bye. Cheers, everyone. Bye.